Can you believe it's week four of Advent already? I mean, it feels like Advent has gone really fast. As we uh, get through the fourth week of Advent, we're going to get to Christmas Eve and then Epiphany. And so our, our Advent slash Christmas time is almost over. But I don't want us to rush over Advent week four. This week, Mike and I are talking about God's scandalous love. And let me just give you a quick preview of it. You're going to hear us talk about it a lot, but let me give you a quick preview. Have you ever uh, thought to yourself, I'm not perfect, I don't have my life figured out, and yet somehow God still loves me? That's how scandalous God's love is, that no matter what we do, no matter who we are or what we've done, God loves us. But here's the catch. We're expected to share that love with others. We can't just take God's love. We have to share God's love with others. We have to share that scandalous love. So I'm excited for you to uh, hear in on Mike's and I conversation. I hope it's uh, challenging to you. I hope you can uh, wrestle with it. And I just hope that it's uh, life-giving to you. Well, again, thank you for joining us this week four of Advent and enjoy my conversation between Mike and I. So week four, uh, Christmas Eve is just around the corner. Uh, and before we get to Christmas Eve, I want to talk about this this chapter called Scandalous Love. And I thought, uh, what a perfect uh, conversation to talk about right before Christmas Eve in this. And so the, the theme that I wrote down for this is, Jesus came to redeem and restore broken places and broken hearts. And um, that's just a small glimpse of how scandalous and how great God's love for us really is. And so um, would you... I have a follow-up question, but just tell us about God's scandalous love. Why, why was this chapter when, so important? Uh, in 2009, under um, Hillary Clinton was uh, Secretary of State. So she had a group of us with two ambassadors, um, Christian, um, Jewish leaders, Muslim meet with Israeli leaders in peace talks. So on a Friday night, we were in the hotel, a um, Orthodox Jewish professor invited a uh, Amman and myself to celebrate the Sabbath, the Sabbath, you know, on Friday night. Mm. Sounds like a joke, doesn't it? Like, <laughs> Just a little bit. And... <laughs> And he, he, he looked at me and he said, you know, you Christians, I mean, we're real, but so here's a Muslim, Amman, um, an Orthodox Jewish professor and a Christian pastor. And he said, I, you Christians, I wish we had something like your grace, this, this concept of grace. Mm. But then he, he said, we do have Hesed which is unfailing love. I mean, God's love never fails. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. There's no place we can go where God's not. You know, uh, you can't walk out of God's love. You can be unaware of it. You can get a place where you're not. Um, mm -hmm. even, even this... Uh, look at Colossians 3.11. Christ is all and in all. So I start thinking, Fernie, if Christ is in everyone, then a new birth is simply awakening to that. What does it mean that Christ is all and in all? That's Colossians 3.11. Mm -hmm. 3, mm -hmm. 
So when we begin to think that no heights and no depths, um, we never get outside of God's love. There's no place you can go. Even if you're in the underworld, God is there. I think that this journey is, is to really realize that even though I bit the apple, you know what I mean when I said I ate the apple? Yeah, from yeah. Genesis, right? Make a mistake. Well, not, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. It, you know, whatever. Um, you know, that we can't be truly free till we realize that there's no place I can go to get outside of God's love. And that mm. there is such freedom of that. There's that discovery then that uh, of our own um, self-esteem, that, that I am fearfully mm -hmm. and wonderfully made. Um, that God wove me together in my mother's womb. You, you really begin to claim who you are. You know, Christ in his yeah. humanity is really the example. He, he shows us who we are. That's why I always love that um, some of my priest friends in the early years when we were all young coming up in ministry together would call Jesus their brother. Mm. You know, because th this is who we are. And, and that's amazing yeah. when you discover that because look at how many of us struggle with... Um, Whatever the issue is, I'm too skinny, I'm too heavy, um, I'm bald. I, no, man, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You gotta, uh, you can't love others if you don't love yourself. And I think that's part of the problem with unhealthy competition and everything else. So God's mm -hmm. love is scandalous. Yeah. You know, I remember having a conversation with a friend of mine. This was years ago. And I was telling her, you know, I, I can't be called to ministry because I've done this and I've done that and I'm not perfect and all these things. And and I remember she looked at me and she said, Fernie, if God only called perfect people, nobody would be in ministry. And uh, I, I just remember that her saying that and I'm like, wow, God really does love us so much that like, and it's biblical too, right? I mean, there's no, besides Jesus, there is no perfect person. And God still looks at us and says, you're fearfully, you're wonderfully made, and I'm using you. I'm, I'm gonna do a miracle through you, um, and and I just find that um, so humbling, right? That God knows every detail of my life, um, and God still says, I choose to love you, and I extend grace, and um, yeah, I mean that when we fully, even when we barely begin to grasp that, I think our our whole outlook on life oh, yeah. changes and and how we're yeah. to do that. It, it's why uh the bible says do not judge lest you be judged how we mm -hmm. judge others is the standard of our own judgment so i have a real low bar there you <laughs> know um I, I i driving up and dating today i saw this billboard and it says uh, love regardless Ginghamsburg church and I went, wow. Um, I mean, there's no, no, I mean, just doesn't matter who that person is. You know, I, one, one person, he's one of my heroes. Every Saturday night sat 
in the front row at next up our next step worship was recovery mm-hmm. drunk on his behind i mean just you know his wife would have to help him in seven years and um man he got sober i mean the now he's a leader it's been like 10 years i think he's been sober and hmm. so i i remember and it wasn't that long ago when i was back preaching at gingersburg um i said how long you been coming to this church and they said seven years i said oh, okay so three years you were with with me and i yeah i said how did you come or, or oh she said well you know we were living together we're married now she said Matter of fact, I ran into him at a kid's football game in Cincinnati. They live in Cincinnati now. <laughs> and she goes, um, if we could come and someone could sit on the front row drunk, then we knew this is a place we could come, you know, mm. living together. Like they are they are married now, you know. But um, I, I, I think that's the key. That's the kind of love you don't – seeing the church so many times. Uh, I remember uh, my son played college baseball. And so kids were from all over the country and there were Jew, there were Jew, Jewish kids, um, Unitarian kids, atheist families. And we were more accepting of each other. Regardless, they knew I was a pastor you know, um, then a lot of times people are in the church. One thing in a great article written by, um, Ed Steltzer out of Wheaton college, um, about how people are choosing churches now leaving churches, going to churches that support their partisan politic kind of view rather than a solid biblical view. That was in USA Today yeah. yesterday. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So, so um, there was, help me connect some dots okay. here. Because um, I, I, I completely agree. I think um, the, the story of right, being able to sit in the front row and, drunk and saying you're welcome. I mean, that's just a glimpse of how welcoming God and the kingdom of God is, right? Like everybody's invited. Um, but in this chapter, you also talk about yeah. Hosea. And uh, so let me, I'm going to read this because I want to make sure I get it right. So as, as part of this chapter, you use the book of Hosea and uh, you connect that with the story of Mary and what she would have been seen as when word got out of yeah. her pregnancy. And essentially you connect those two, right? So can you walk us through a little bit of the, how those well, two stories connect? Anyone. I mean, these people weren't idiots <laughs> for her to say, God yeah. did this. Just picture any parent, grandparent, <laughs> right? And the teenage daughter comes back and says this, God did this. Well, I think, I think there's a similarity in that now Hosea's situation was a little different. We can't, you know, take each but in this let's talk about that first because because i don't know that everybody has read hosea so 
I think it's so fascinating. I mean, the the opening lines of Hosea, basically, God tells Hosea, go buy your, your wife who has gone into prostitution, right? right? And um, it just, it's, well, I, I'll be honest, the first time I saw you compare the two, I was like, wait, 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 one's a prostitute and one's Mary. <laughs> um, but go on. I, I, I know well, you connected I, I, beautifully, I, I, so I want to hear I, that. The key for Hosea's passage is God's scandalous love. And I think mm-hmm. Joseph always lived with that kind of understanding of Joseph. So what is it like when everyone around you, you know, even Jesus' brothers didn't accept the Messianic, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. What is it like when everyone around you, it would have been easier for him to not obey God and go live a normal life where he would be respected, you know. So I don't think we have the full dynamic of the background on what that was like because we spiritualize everything. Mm -hmm. Right. So Joseph's faithfulness was incredible based on people's perception. In that mm-hmm. sense, um, mm. Hosea would have been, you know, the same way in reality. Both of those men incredibly faithful to God's call. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember in the book you talk about how for Hosea, right, to go and forgive his wife um, was would have been um, scandalous, right? Not just in the sense of the things people were going to say about him, but even the assumptions he was going to make himself. And I think this, the you mentioned this, but the same is true for Joseph, right? I mean, for the the stuff people were going to whisper, <clears throat> whisper and say the own questions he wrestled with, right? I mean, he said the scriptures tell us that he thought of leaving her um, quietly. Um, but this this type of um, God calls Joseph to say, uh, essentially he says to Joseph, like, yes, I know what people are going to say. I know what people are going to assume, but love Mary, be there for Mary, right? And in the same way that the challenge I hear from Hosea and even in this story is God saying, to us, right? Um, love anyway, right? And I say, but but God, but they've done this or they've done that or or this or, and God says, love them anyway. Um, and and it's true of Jesus, right? I mean, he sat and ate with sinners, and people judged him for doing that. Like, do you not know who they are, Jesus? And Jesus says, yes, of course, <laughs> and that's why I'm eating here, right? Um, there's there's this God's love is so scandalous. And and I want to, the reason I brought that story up is because I think God's scandalous love goes two ways. One, God uh, it, God's scandalous love is directed towards me, right? So I receive God's scandalous love, but I'm also called to extend that scandalous love to others. It's not to say, right, if, like, if God can love me, I can love my neighbor. If God can, lo- God can love me through my shortcomings, I can love other people through their shortcomings. Um it's this this beautiful God's love is this beautiful type of love that says, "I am pouring it into you, and as part of the miracle that we expect, we're going to pour it out into others." And I and, kind of and to even leave what we call orthodox 
at the time because Jesus eating with mm -hmm. those people was breaking the, the, the law. Mm -hmm. Or when mm -hmm. Peter, when Cornelius in the book of Acts invited Peter and he said, you know, I've been taught not to eat anything unclean, you know, and God did that revelation. Don't call anything I made unclean. Yeah. So, you know, what, what we have to train ourselves um, is to look at people for who they've been created, not what they're doing. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm. And, and what gives release, I, like Fernie, in my hard years, failing in school, rock and roll band and stuff, my great aunt Viva said, said, when God gets a hold of you, young man, he's going to do amazing things. You know, because I was hearing mm. failure, you know, from my parents and stuff like that. But she says, when God gets a hold of you, he's going to do amazing things. And I think that's how we have to look at people. Yeah, I love it. Well, I would say that's that's our challenge to people today, right? Receive God's scandalous love and then extend that scandalous yeah. love to other people. Um, so, um, yeah, well, thank you so much for this conversation. And I look forward to our next one. So I don't know about you, but uh, it, it's kind of difficult to think about how much God loves us and how we, we are called to extend that love, right? I mean, it's, it's great to hear that God loves me despite what I've done, but uh, the reminder that I have to love other people even when they've hurt me or the ones I love, that's hard. And so that's the reason uh, God's love is scandalous, right? Because it's, it's not, uh, it goes beyond the normal expectations that we have of love. But God loves you. I want you to hear that. God loves you no matter what you've done. Now go and share that with others. Well, I'm so glad you joined us today. Uh, I hope that you, uh, like I said earlier, I hope that you felt challenged today and you will uh, go deeper in your faith because of this conversation. Have this conversation with your coworkers, with your family, with your friends. And uh, just remember, I love you, God loves you, and there's nothing you can do about it. I'll see you on Christmas Eve.